Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Lot Lady of Parth hyphen post, joined with Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. And Clotho? Perhaps she's not with us, but we do have John. <laughs> hey, I'm John. You can find me at John Ice Eyes on Twitter. And what's that? Do I see Clotho now just joining us? <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> I am Clotho. You can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. <laughs> Hi, Clotho. <laughs> Glad for you to show up. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Lovely to have you all. Um, okay, so we are continuing our uh, reread, I guess, of Tyrion and Sansa chapters. Right now, we are going to get into A Storm of Swords, Tyrion 3. So for anyone listening, spoilers for everything, books and show. Um, I don't know, standard trigger warnings. There potentially might be rape discussion in this episode, Just so just a heads up about that. Okay, so... This is a meeting. It's a post-Blackwater small council. Gathered, we have Tywin at the head of the table and Tyrion at the foot. Other people included are Cersei, Kevin, Littlefinger, Ashorn, Pycelle, Mace Tyrell, uh, Paxter Redwine, Mathis, Rowan, and the High Septon. Tyrion is feeling out of sorts. There's too many new players at this table, he thinks. And uh, Kevin is the only one who really kind of seems to give him any kind of warm greeting with a kiss on the cheek. They make, you know, pleasantries and discuss Lancel's health a bit. Um, he Mace, uh, or sorry, not Mace, but Kevin reports that it's touch and go. It seems that uh, Cersei yeah. visits him what, often. Wasn't that kind of wasn't that kind of weird that he, way that he described it as touch and go, and then he mentions that Cersei's visiting him? Yeah, it almost seems like. There's sowing he or so when I say they, I mean George is sowing the seeds of perhaps Cersei having something to do with Lancel's touch and go health. Yeah, and like yeah. I never remember noticing this before, and I swear to God I've never read a theory about it either. But it kind of stood out this time. Yeah, it was definitely well, something. Yeah, it was flagrant, right? Because even Tyrion, we get this like little inner dialogue of Tyrion questioning whether Cersei would be capable of murdering her their cousin. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. one day, you know, Kevin says one day he's fine, and then that's pretty clear. <laughs> She's up to something if he's suddenly not fine after a visit. Well, I mean, I know that, that Jamie's worried about her killing Lancel, um, you know, during feast and stuff, but yeah. it's like, I don't ever remember. I just, it, this just never registered with me before that Tyrion might have thought that she was trying to kill him, like, while he was on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. I think it's a reoccurring thing we see um, in this chapter, too. And I kind of question George's motives. Like, did he have all this set up and then abandon it? Yeah, well, uh, the, uh, so an ongoing question. Yeah. So we'll, we'll come. We'll, we'll see it again in this chapter. Um 
Let's see. So Cersei's being charming with the members of the council, and um, she asks if they should start with the wedding arrangements, all the wedding planning. And uh, Tywin is like, no, war plans first. Varys reports that Robert Glover was caught outside of Duskendale, and he's on a retreat towards Harrenhal. They discuss Rob Stark and theorize what he'll do next. Uh, Kevin brings up Balon Greyjoy's terms of alliance, and Cersei's a bit outraged and annoyed by that, you know, that Balon would dare call himself king. Uh, Math and Rowan's position is, you know, let him. All he wants is rock and frozen grounds in the north, and uh, he thinks that he sees it as an excellent trade for ships. Mace agrees, let Balon finish the Northmen while they take care of Stannis. Uh, Tywin mentions they need to consider Lysa Aaron as well. Mace tells the group, women have no stomach for war. Red Rain offers uh, that Lysa hasn't been a part of the fighting, nor committed any acts of treason, and Tyrion is basically like, oh, I beg to differ. (laughs) (laughs) So... I don't know, maybe it's reading a little too much into it, but again, we get that women have no stomach for war, which I can't help but feel like he put that in there, because I really do feel like he was setting Cersei up for some kind of bigger plays that I think he did abandon. Well, yeah, I mean, and this follows just on, you know, Varys kind of um, underplaying what he probably actually does know is going on with Danny and Karth. You know, he's like, oh, supposedly a three-headed dragon hatched in Karth, and it's like, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, about how Varys gets around, you know, not really giving the full intel to Tywin when this stuff should be, you know, becoming pretty well-known legend. And it's funny how he kind of twists it, um, you know, and doesn't even mention Danny. Yeah. And so, yeah, the the thing about the women not being up for war is clearly George playing with, wait and see. <laughs> so, um... Mace gives Tyrion a bit of a condescending response to his, you know, objection about Lysa. And uh, Tywin informs the group that Littlefinger has plans for her. He um, holds the key to the veil. And <laughs> it's kind of like an Andrew Dice so Clay gross. moment here. Uh, yeah. Littlefinger is like, oh, it's in my pants. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can picture him, like, taking both hands and that chop down, like the one of those. I, don't know who, I just did that motion. <laughs> I, I literally just did the, like, double this is like the most like junior high boy joke that you could possibly come up with i know this is so weird. Right, right there with it oh, god high five just like go watch a logan paul video good grief god, you just kind of like rolled with it they're just like okay <laughs> Nobody clutched the pearls or anything. You know, you think the septum might. <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous. No, nobody is. Nobody says anything. Like he, this is the crassest thing I think anyone's ever said in a small council meeting. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Locker room, Locker right, room right. talk. Yeah, that's exactly it. John. It goes down to the history. <laughs> I wonder if anybody takes notes. Does uh, no one take notes? You think of a council, they should have a note taker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it just occurred to me. Like. So- Who's okay. the secretary here? You have somebody in the it corner, like Pycelle, like, right? <laughs> this feather quill working madly. Yeah, yeah. Drawing. The key is project. between my legs. <laughs> okay, so you know it's kind of funny. Mason, um, what's his face, have like kind of a exchange, like an eye exchange of like, oh, you're gonna marry Lysa, aren't you, a little lowborn? 
But, you know, he'll be Lord of Harrenhal, so it'll be totally appropriate for him to be her consort. Uh, Tyrion can see this plan has been set in motion, and he's only... Um, question, he's, but he is the only one questioning at the table, and then he asks, so how is the crown going to pay for its debts without Littlefinger? Littlefinger thinks that any clever tradesman could do it. A Lannister, even better. <laughs> Tywin tells Tyrion he's admirably suited to the task, and Kevin seconds it. Motion passed. Tyrion is the new master of coin. <laughs> Pretty much. It was kind of fun to see that being played out and like Tyrion like recognizing what was happening as it was happening. <laughs> yeah, well, I love how Tyrion's like in these council meetings, Kevin works as, you know, Tywin's vanguard, basically like Kevin goes in and kind of like softens everyone up to the idea. And then Tywin kind of swoops in and closes on the idea later on. <laughs> and I know he's mad about not being the hand anymore, but it's not. It doesn't seem like the worst job, you know, he could have gave him something worse. Well, I think it's that there's this, I mean, the concept that it's the kind of job that someone lowborn like Littlefinger could have had, it's not necessarily a, you know, it's that thing of nobility looking down on actually touching money and that kind of thing, I think. Uh, Oh, okay. We're too good to talk about money. Plus, there's the added benefit that, you know, he's potentially being set up to fail. (laughs) That too. He, I think he knows. Yeah. He knows yeah, that, that something's just, uh, fishy with the money. He's said that before, I think, because you know, obviously, everybody knows that Robert was spending like crazy, and they were constantly having to borrow money. So it's like I'm sure Tyrion has a concept that it's a mess with the accounts. He does. We've heard him say it in the last book. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with um, well, with that appointment settled, Littlefinger will be boat bound to secure Liza Tully and create a loyal friend in Little Lord Robert for Joffrey. Red Ryan wants to return to the subject of the Greyjoy Alliance, and Tywin tells them why pay for what they are ironborn already giving them for free. Best plan is to do nothing. Tyrion thinks his father is holding on to something, remembering his important letters from the last time they met. And uh, Kevin wants to move on to the wedding plans now at this point in the meeting. Cersei details the feast. Apparently she's like, they are expecting like 3,000 in the throne room alone, many more outside the yards. And then Pycelle chimes in, you know, that there are 300 Dornishmen also en route to arrive. Like, how pissed off would you be? (laughs) 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 And you know, there's an open bar. (laughs) (laughs) So expensive, all of it. Mm. I don't know. So, of course, Mace bristles at this news because he don't like the Dornish. Um, High Garden and the Dorns have been at it for centuries. Tywin informs Mace it was by Joffrey's command. The Dornish have been offered rights to ju- for justice for the death of Elia and her children. And this part where, like, no one dares point out the fact that it was Tywin who presented their bodies to Robert. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. I also, this is the kind of like farce in government that has just become too real for me lately as an American, so mm-hmm. it's hard to enjoy. <laughs> oh, it's hitting a little too close to home. <laughs> kind of, just like, oh, let's just pretend that reality isn't reality, and we'll just pretend that this is what happened, and we had no part in killing these kids. Right. Uh, uh. Well, on that happy note, I do feel... <laughs> like, how do I segue out of that? I don't know. <laughs> um... I do feel like this passage, again, kind of reaffirms for me that 
I feel like Tywin was indeed poisoned, right? Because it's been theorized. And I think just having this bit with the Dornish and there was like this part where they were talking about um, them getting their their justice. Don't you feel mm. that was a bit on the nose? Oh, that he was poisoned right before uh, Tyrion got him? Yep. That that's why he was on the shitter? Yep. Ah, okay. D- oh. Is the theory that the poison would also have ultimately killed him even if Tyrion didn't? Yeah. 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 They think that, they think that, that, uh, yeah. That's why his, uh, his body stank to high hell. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. I remember, yeah, I remember theories about that because the stink. Yep. Yeah. That I, that's plausible. Yeah, I totally. yeah, it's, it's one of those that, I mean, it's the type of thing you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it was weird for George to do something like that just to kind of have it there as an Easter egg. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I totally wholeheartedly subscribe to the, the theory. Uh, let's see. So um, we have uh, Tywin saying, you know, with Marjorie and Joffrey Wed plus Marcella and Doran, they'll be one big happy family. <laughs> Mace can't hide his displeasure. And Lord Tywin suggests they move on to more pleasant tasks, war spoils. They divvy up lands, titles, and castles uh, amongst themselves. And, you know, with other people that aren't at the table but are on Team Joffrey. <laughs> so Lord Redwine asks only for one thing, and that's 30 years worth of remission on wine taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets it. That's a long time. Yeah. It is a long time. Big deal. I can't, I can't believe, like, you know, Tyrion wasn't thinking about, well, that's going to suck, <laughs> you know, given his new position. <laughs> yeah. The deficit grows bigger. <laughs> Also, it's close to home. <laughs> so I think it's pretty funny that uh, Garland gets a whole bunch of lands and castles and, and shit, and Tyrion gets basically Jack. He gets a position, and he still doesn't have a house. He doesn't have any lands at all. He has no income. He's just flapping in the breeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty impressive how well the Tyrells have kind of well, come out of this smelling like roses, but um, but you know, like, I mean, you know, I don't know, if, you know, like Paxer Redwin is, you know, he's he's Mace's brother-in-law. Like, this is definitely a family, you know, family affair. The way that the Tyrells have come in and kind of they've definitely made things work out well for themselves. So this is where we get the report of uh, Varys um, about krakens and dragons and, you know, Tywin tisking at it. And he wants more info about Tyric Lannister, of which there is none. Here we go a goddamn again. I mean, like, I know that they talk about it. I always knew they talked about him. I do not remember him coming up, like, every <laughs> single fucking Tyrion chapter like this. I think at this point we need some theories to be emailed into us. Like, well, what is I up with this guy? This. We just need to go do the homework, because I know they exist. I've read a ton of them. No, just let others email it to us. (laughs) (laughs) We're not doing homework. We're the teacher. We don't do the homework. We don't do the research anymore. Anyway, prizes to whoever does that. Okay, putting it out there. Okay, Kevin asks what to do about the gold cloaks who deserted and have returned after the battle. Cersei wants them killed. Varys suggests the black. Tywin wants their knees broken as example. 
Tyrion suggests maybe break a few knees and send the rest to the wall. God, this whole conversation was so... And there's the 1% hard at work, everybody. (laughs) I'm just like, how do you come up with the idea of just breaking people's knees to make sure that they're beggars for the rest of their lives? I mean, like, what is that thought process like for you? I know how will people associate, like, what are you going to do, make them wear a sign or, you know? Like, know. Talking <laughs> Jesus. There probably people. is signs. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's also incredibly stupid because these are guys who came back willingly looking yeah. for, uh, looking to get their jobs back. And then Tywin's going to have, so basically next time you desert a, a Lannister army, you just have to go into the woods and start robbing people and killing people, right? That's your only choice. Yeah, that is true. That's some long-term, not some long-term thinking they're doing. <laughs> I know this is typical. I know this is typical military behavior to execute deserters, but God, it is so stupid. It's like you kind of need the manpower. I mean, yeah. like that's been their whole problem. <laughs> they need more manpower, and now they're just running around breaking all the knees of the guys who are willing to still fight. Right? And people switch sides so much. It almost seems like deserting is just another form of switching sides. You know, well, what's the difference? Yeah. Those other guys, even the higher-ups. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Tywin sees this as a bonus if, um, oh, sorry, I missed this section. So Tyrion had suggests that, you know, break a few knees and then send the rest to the wall. And he mentions that the wall is severely, you know, undermanned. But Tywin sees this as a bonus. Let wildlings flood the north and that'll be another problem for the Starks and Greyjoys. He kind of has a point. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad strategy. As long as, you know, you don't live long enough to have to deal with the fallout, which Tywin won't, so. <laughs> Not my problem. Uh, see, Tywin ends the meeting dismissing, um, dismissing all but his family. When alone, Tyrion asks, whose idea was it to make him master of coin? And no surprise, it was Littlefinger's. <laughs> Cersei and Tyrion bicker about Littlefinger. Tywin snaps at them. Kevin mentions the intel Littlefinger brought them regarding the Tyrell plot to whisk Sansa off to High Garden was, you know, a little example of his loyalty. And then Cersei is outraged at this. I just got a little passage. Cersei looked at their uncle in disbelief. Sansa is my hostage. She goes nowhere without my leave. Leave you must perforce grant, should Lord Tyrell ask, their father pointed out. To refuse him would be tantamount to declaring that we did not trust him. He would take offense. Let him. What do we care? Bloody fool, thought Tyrion. Sweet sister, he explained patiently. Offend Tyrell, and you offend Redwine. Tarly, Rowan, and Hightower as well, and perhaps start them wondering whether Rob Stark might not be more accommodating to their desires. I will not have the Rose and the Dire Wolf in bed together, declared Lord Tywin. We must forestall them. How? asked Cersei. By marriage, yours to begin with. It came so suddenly that Cersei could only stare for a moment. Then her cheeks reddened as if she had been slapped. No, not again. I will not. Your grace, said Sir Kevin courteously, you are a young woman, still fair and fertile. Surely you cannot wish to spend the rest of your days alone. And a new marriage would put to rest this talk of incest for good and all. So long as you remain unwed, you allow Sanus to spread his disgusting slander, Lord Tywin told his daughter. You must have a new husband in your bed to father children on you. Eh. 
Mm. How extra horrible <sighs> would it have been if for Sansa to find out, like, after she married Tyrion, like, if Cersei had ended up marrying Willis? Like, how horrible would that have been? Like, Ooh. to know that horrible Cersei has married the guy. <laughs> Salt in the wound. <laughs> Double oh, out. Yeah. Oh, I'm ruin your Cer- sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Cersei's side here. Like, this is... Fuck these guys. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's horrible. But I love how it's just the same thing that goes on later with Jamie, where Tyrion watches Cersei just hand all of her power away. She just seeds it away. Like it's this yeah. is the same discussion that she and Jamie will have when Jamie gets back to King's Landing, which is tell him no, <laughs> tell him no. You're the Queen Regent, you idiot. Just tell him no. <laughs> like why are you letting them push you around like this? What are they going to do? Abandon you? They can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is what annoys me about Cersei. It's like she actually does have a lot of power and she doesn't need to do some of the crazy shit she does to try to get power. She's already fucking got it. She just won't use it. Yeah. Well, I think he does a uh George does a good job too, just creating Tywin into this really well fleshed out tyrant that really has complete control of his children kind of yeah and they have thir- <laughs> what 34 30 some years of history of being you know oppressed by him so i'm sure that yeah well know. they're just trained to they're yeah. trained to listen but it's like you know you just have to just not and Tyrion's getting to that point we'll see jamie get to that point later in this book but cersei just literally tywin has to die for her to get to that point yeah <laughs> unless well here's another conspiracy like maybe she poisoned him yeah i've never i've never bought that i mean she's the type of person who'd be bragging about that in her head yeah you're right (laughs) you're absolutely right (laughs) yeah that is a good point like it's yeah she couldn't not talk to herself about (laughs) plus she's so upset when he's gone she really genuinely is upset yeah well i mean they all spend their whole lives just like just begging for his approval. That's just so withholding all the time. And all they ever want is to please daddy. And then like each of them has all their weird ways of grappling with it. But Jamie's the only one who is just like, you know what? No, fuck you. I don't need your approval. Like, I don't give a shit what you think, dad, which I think is (laughs) kind of awesome. He's the the first one to actually just do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could have the discussion that he's also, you know, got all the able white male privilege behind him with that. So it's well, easier yeah. for him to do it, but yeah, yeah, no, Jamie's the only one who finally is just like, you know what, actually, I don't give a fuck. Well, because Jamie doesn't care about any of the things that are important to Tywin. Like, right. you know, Tywin cares about the the family name and how things look, and he cares about, you know, extreme power, and those are things that Tyrion and Cersei care a lot about. Jamie doesn't give a shit about any of it, so he there really is nothing for Tywin to hold over Jamie, which Tywin realizes you know, and no matter the what end. they say, you know, both Cersei and Tyrion, I think, would love to have some type of, um, um, like, I don't know, get compliments from Tywin. You know what I mean? I oh, still yeah. think that that would mean something to them, even if they wouldn't admit Which it. Which we have to say, that's something that Jamie's never had trouble with. I mean, like, you hear yeah. the way that Tywin talks about Jamie, it's not a way that he ever talks about yeah. Cersei or Tyrion. Yeah, so it's not something, yeah, it's not something he would need. Yeah. So, uh, Tywin runs through a list of potential husbands for Cersei. We have Balon Greyjoy. He has an old wife. That's not doing well. That's an option. Uh, Oberyn Martell. I love, I love this good cop, bad cop thing where Kevin's like, oh, well, there's, you know, there's, we could, we could do, you know, could be a lot worse, or maybe you could just go with Garland, Ty- or with Willis Tyrell. Yeah, they start with the gross, yeah, yeah, that's pretty nasty. <laughs> 
Try to I, make him more palatable. I love just, though, just, like, thinking of this list of, like, the names that he rattles off and imagining what that would have looked like. Like, a marriage song. with, like, Cersei oh. and Balon. A marriage with Oberyn and Oberyn and Marshall. Not Euron. She would have got him. <laughs> uh, Theon was named. And then, of course, yeah. Wyless was the prize. Um, Tyrion takes pleasure in the thought of the union and like just the fact that Will- Willis is, you know, um, disabled and t- like the fact that Tyrion takes such pleasure in imagining Cersei with him and like, can he not see the hypocrisy of this? Well, that's why it feels kind of good when he gets his own comeuppance in a little yeah. bit here. It's yeah. Like, stop enjoying this, you jack. I mean, like, look. None of us are Cersei fans, but come on. Quit it. I mean, it's horrible to have to marry somebody you don't want to marry. I'm not trying to apologize for that, but Willis doesn't sound horrible. You know, the things no, that Tywin is saying about him, he I, compared to the other ones? It's, it's like when we have this discussion for Sansa. It's like, really, yeah. Willis clearly is the best possible option for Sansa. Yeah, I mean, and she reconciles with it pretty quick. She's like, yep, I'm out. Yeah, she sees it. <laughs> if Cersei would just be happy with like comfort and anonymity, then it would be fine. You know, she'd have an easy life. You know, just drink. She'd have tons of wine. You know, they'd have almost like oh God, gardens and wine and <laughs> gardens and wine. Strolling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds like a I'm nice retirement. <laughs> so let's see. Tyrion is willing to hear out. Uh, sorry, Tywin is willing to hear out Cersei's objections to a wireless Tyrell union, and um, Cersei uh, asks for her leave to go. Tyrion thinks she's mad, but will ultimately fall in line. Or Tywin thinks she's mad, but ultimately will fall in line. Um, Tyrion is concerned about what Jamie will do, um, and you know, like, I think he has a line about him basically getting gutted by Jamie's sword. <laughs> Tywin turns his attention to Tyrion, telling him his whoring is a weakness and he needs a wife. Tyrion thinks of Taisha and he kind of half laughs and snorts. Um, and then he takes a little time to consider a wife. It would be a nice way to get away from the court and his family. Tyrion rightly guesses that his father plans for him to marry Sansa. He brings up the Tyrells, and uh, Tywin is basically, it's a non-issue, given that they had no notions of their plans, wink, wink. Tywin calls Sansa the key to the north, and that she must be wed in bed. Winterfell would be the claim to the man who marries her. Tywin asks Kevin if uh, Lancel would be up to the task, and Kevin has his doubts. Then he suggests one of his twins... So again, something something's going on with Lancel, but I think it was dropped. <laughs> hey, yeah. Tyrion lets um, them chat a bit, and he thinks of sweet-smelling Sansa. Gross. Tywin calls <sighs> this his reward, the best he's likely to ever have. We learn Jamie was once um, planned to marry Liza, and then instead, you know, the whole thing with the Kingsguard happened. Tyrion was offered... Uh, is a replacement for Jamie, and Hoster Tully wanted a whole man for his daughter. He then goes on to name all the other failed matches that he's made attempts at. Yeah, that was a little painful. <laughs> yeah. Tyrion and... I mean, like, oh, sorry. He said, what was it he said? The, the girl that um, 
who was it? Um, Salise's um, cousin that Robert deflowered at, at Stannis and Salise's oh, wedding. Yeah. Oh gosh! Like My the one. The, she's the mother of. Um, oh god! Can I not spit out his name? Edric. For, no, no, not Florence. Uh, no, that's only. Is it Edric Storm? Why am I trying to say Edric Storm? It's Edric Storm, right? No. The little kid. It would make sense. Oh. It's the right last name. <laughs> yeah, it's the only the only bastard he acknowledged, right? Yeah. God, why can't I spit out that kid's name? Jeez, I feel like this is both good and bad that I can't remember that kid's name. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's like, God, I mean, like, even some, like, a completely disgraced girl from a lesser, like, a lesser branch of a not massive house, they wouldn't, wouldn't, they wouldn't marry him to Tyrion. Marry to Tyrion. I mean, like, this is pretty horrible. And the whole discussion about the potential of um, kids. You know, that's something, I mean, if he's whoring around and sleeping with all, I, I don't know why I never really thought about, has it ever brought up that he might have kids somewhere, babies? or? Well, I mean, obviously this is where all of the, you know, like, did he have a child with Aisha thing is like, out there. He must have tons of kids running around. I don't know, what are they, magically all taking moon tea and that's the... Uh, well, I know, maybe they are in the brothels, who knows. Hmm. Or they, are they figuring... So. George just inserted that he kind of like wants to hand wave away like inconvenient children, <laughs> so he just is like, oh yeah, that's moody, it's fine, right? Yeah. We don't really address the the the, the a word around <laughs> in this book very much. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to touch it. <laughs> and true. I don't blame him because man, that would be a big thing to ha- tackle as many bastard kids as Tyrion should have. Also, <laughs> and you'd think too that like whores. I mean, even though you could say that the double sided coin would be oh. The stigma, they wouldn't want to have, like, a potential child, you know, like Tyrion, or they just would want to, you know, they'd want to have a kid from him so they could have all that money, you know, bribe him or something, you know, yeah. either or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Well, okay. Um, another one that was offered um, by uh, was lawless and mean as it is, it kind of made me chuckle. Tyrion responds, "I'd sooner cut it off and feed it to the goats." <laughs> Little callback. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Tyrion can un- or Tywin can't understand Tyrion's hesitation about Sansa. Tyrion reminds Tywin that Rob Stark is to marry that Frey girl, and when they have kids, Sansa's claim is nothing. Tywin tells Tyrion about Rob breaking his word and his marriage to Jane Westerling, um, the product of questionable birth, with her mother being Sybil Spicer, her grandfather a lowly trader of spices, and her grandmother an old crone named Maggie the Frog. <laughs> it's Maggie the Frog. Yeah, I love the backstory there. Me too. Uh, so... Tyrion can't believe that Rob went back on his word, and uh, he thinks it would have been kinder to leave Jane Westerling a bastard in the belly. And, Doesn't uh, everybody think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> really. Tywin responds, Jane Westerling is her mother's daughter, and Rob Stark is his father's son. And then I'm just going to end us with kind of the close of this chapter. The, this westerling betrayal did not seem to have enraged his father as much as Tyrion would have expected. Lord Tywin did not suffer disloyalty in his vassals. He had extinguished the proud reigns of Castamere and the ancient Tarbecks of Tarbeck Hall, root and branch, when it was still when he was still half a boy. The singers had even made a rather gloomy song of it. Some years later, when Lord Farman in Faircastle uh, grew truculent. 
Lord Tywin sent an envoy bearing a lute instead of a letter. But once he'd heard the reins of Castamere echoing through his halls, Lord Farman gave no further trouble. And if the song were not enough, the shattered castles of Lorraine's and Tarbeck still stood as mute testimony to the fate that awaited those who chose to scorn the power of Casterly Rock. The crag is not so far from Tarbeck Hall and Castamere, Tyrion pointed out. You'd think the Westlings might have ridden past and seen the lesson there. Perhaps they have, mm. Lord Tywin said. They are well aware of Castamere, I promise you. Could uh-huh. Westerlings and Spicers be such fools as to believe the wolf can defeat the lion? Every once in a very long while, Lord Tywin Lannister would actually threaten to smile. He never did, but the threat alone was terrible to behold. The greatest fools are oft times more clever than the men who laugh at them, he said. And then... You will marry Sansa Stark, Tyrion, and soon. And that brings us to the end of that. <sighs> this is a big chapter. <laughs> it yeah, was. I, it's it was. like so much goes on, and it's like I love. I, I wanted to say how much I love the way that they handled Tyrion, the same way that they handled Cersei with the Sansa. You know, like they're like, well, you know, this is your only shot to like get your own castle and you could be a great lord you know your kid could have winterfell blah 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 Hmm. just appealed to everything that they know he wants Hmm. i had to say it's like exceptional it's an exceptionally fun chapter to reread as well you know like you just get all these nuggets yeah you now know what it's leading to well, and you, you hear like, like Tyrion saying, you know, he's seeing his father sending all these letters and Tywin drops the line about, you know, sometimes more can be accomplished with what was, what did he say? Ravens and quills or something like that. You know, just little hints that he's, you know, getting, got the wheels in motion for the red wedding and stuff like that. And then this thing here of clearly Civil Spicer, you know, betraying Rob. It's, uh, you can see the wheels turning. Yeah. Yeah, he really telegraphs the the red wedding pretty hard because they're basically saying you're going to be Lord of Winterfell already, and Rob Rob's still alive, right? And, but they're just like That's they know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, we right know there. what's going to happen. It's all terrifying, but yeah, it's uh, he's just he's got his plan all laid out, and everybody else is just a, a pawn that he's moving around for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. For real, yeah. And it's you know I don't know that it's. It is impressive in a way. I mean, (laughs) there's that begrudging admiration you kind of have to have for Tywin, how well he handles some of this stuff. But at the same time, it's awful what he's doing to, you know, everybody. (laughs) I I hate to mention the show in a book chapter episode. However, (laughs) I have to say, I really like this is actually a compliment to the show. (laughs) Um, The way they handled the scene, they had um, Cersei know of this news that Tyrion was to marry Sansa before uh, he got the gave the news to her. So it was so much fun to see her play out that kind of gloating ha ha. Yeah. (laughs) And then the bomb is dropped that oh yeah, you're getting married too, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, it's kind of the reverse in the book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Any parting any parting shots for this chapter? That'll be it. I mean, like, we're really going to have to start hating Tyrion soon. <laughs> That's all I have to say. 
He'll he'll work his way up to it. Don't worry. <laughs> He's getting there. There there were some hints. He'll deserve that. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go to the mailbag. Okay. We've got an email from Amy. It says, Dear ladies and occasional gents, D and D have been given an Emmy nomination for their outstanding writing on season seven, episode seven, The Dragon and the Wolf. The script isn't been floating around on the internet. But I never paid attention to it until a handful of people on Twitter pointed out a few finer points. For example, after Danny agrees to sail with John, Jorah's stage directions, or whatever it's called for TV, actually say, Jorah nods in deference, but he's not smiling at all. Funking, I'm sorry, fucking punk-ass little shitburger stole my Khaleesi. And that's the quote. Uh, yep. Or when Theon gets kicked in the crotch by Harrig and doesn't react because I guess everyone without a set of balls feels no pain in that region. That was important. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it says this. Clutching Theon's face in his big, dirty hands, Harrig slams his knee into Theon's groin. But Theon has no balls. Just the slightest possible smile from Theon as he receives his first ever benefit from castration. He slams <laughs> his forehead. It's so funny. It's Harrig's nose. The single greatest headbutt in the history of filmed headbutts. Or, when writing the intro for Winterfell slash Littlefinger betrayal portion, they begin this way. Sansa stands alone, staring across the snow-shrouded moors. She wears a hood to protect her from the wind and the snow, making her look like the French lieutenant's woman. A reference Sophie Turner will just have to Google. Um, oh. I don't really have a question for you here. You don't have to read all of this. I just did. <laughs> I'd love to hear you all discuss how you feel about it. It would bring me great joy to listen to you elaborate on their elegant, professional, and Emmy-worthy writing style. Thanks again for podcast. You all do great work, and I look forward to listening every week. Um, yeah, I mean, I glanced over that most of it is kind of like just boring standard, you know, um, you know, just script. <laughs> but to me, it's so. like, it's like really insulting that like, it, kind of given the nature of what the show is, that the word shitburger is in the script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I could see, you know, I could see him sort That's of That's not canon. But no, sorry. <laughs> I mean, was this really what, I mean, is it literally like, okay, so when they submit things, is it, I mean, is it the scenes? I mean, isn't the writing of this, like the scene acted out or are they the literally like, reading? I think because this is the episode that they nominated for, I don't know, I assume best drama or something. They have to, they have to submit a whole episode and a whole script, I think, or, or if it's for direction or writing or whatever. Yeah. And I wonder how much weight they pay on because scripts aren't really, I mean, they're not. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, well, Hollywood thinks they're really something. I mean, like, but these, these stage directions are really not, I mean, you, you do see these kinds of stage directions from some people. I mean, like, That's it's not normal. completely, especially with these guys where they know their cast so well and they know their crew so well. It's not mm-hmm. that surprising that they take these crazy liberties. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of less bothered by it than a lot of other people. Were. I think it was, it was more like, as I was looking, it was, it took, it was, lo- it was far, few and far between. It wasn't like every single page, you know, every single scene had one in there. I will it say that I was insulted on behalf of Sophie that that was, yeah, that either. was kind of, it was condescending. Yeah, that was the most dickish thing that they did. But you guys, like the best part of what was in the script did not get included in this email for some reason, and I'm not really sure why that was. Was it the eye exchanges? Yeah, the looks, uh-huh. the looks between Jamie, Cersei, and and Brienne, oh, the way yes. that they're written yeah, that, in the script. They put that she notices, and he, you know, <laughs> like it's, he it's looks very, away, you know. but too late, she noticed late. <laughs> that old game. <laughs> and then she hits yeah. his shoulder, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's that that to me was the highlight of this released script because you know you still have these morons who are out there like, I don't think it's romantic. Why do you think it's romantic? Why do you think Jamie and Brianna are romantic? They were just they don't ex- think of each other that way. Yeah, they're just adding that in for no reason. Yeah. No, they're uh, just the exchanging yeah. glances because he admires her a lot. Is like a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or you have the Jamie Cersei stands her like, just because the actors like have really good chemistry or something or just look at each other, everybody wants to read into it. <laughs> like, come on. Don't worry. Ladies. Of course it's in look the fucking ours. stage directions. <laughs> All of it's been in the fucking stage directions, you idiots. They're, they're not listening to this, Chicky. <laughs> okay, is there any, or is there anything else, or is there anything? No, that was a, that was a mail. <laughs> okay, so we love getting messages from you guys. Um, in particular, I'd like to know what happened to Tarbeck Lannister, so you can send your theories to close the door and at gmail.com, close the door and come here dot tumblr.com, um, at door podcast, and, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You may also like and subscribe wherever you may listen to this podcast. Um, we do have a Facebook, too, if you want to follow us there. Um, anyway, thanks, guys, for podcasting. Well, thanks thank for you. moderating, moderator. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll be uh, closing the door now. Get out.